She is an artist. She is an activist. She is a purveyor of change. She was the Cassandra of Hollywood, the truth teller stricken with the curse of not being believed, who foresaw the destruction of Troy, its corrosion under the corruption of predatory producers, directors, journalists, and an entire network complicit in silencing every victim and survivor who threatened to speak out. But she fought for 20 years to be heard and dismantle what she calls the biggest cult of all, Hollywood. She is brave. And today, we are privileged to have her as our guest on this very special episode of the political pregame. She is Rose McGowan. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the political pregame. I think it goes without saying what we'd be drinking today, but today we're drinking rosé in honor of Rose McGowan, so (laughs) cheers. Cheers. (laughs) So, yeah, so this is um, quite, I don't know whether to call it chance or fate or kismet, uh, but it truly is an honor to have you on the show. I like the word basheret. It's a a Hebrew word. Um, It means fate. And, and, uh... So I think Basharat. I ran into Tiana in a parking lot around one in the morning. <laughs> on a Wednesday. On a Wednesday, as one does in Hollywood. And I'm only visiting here for a few days. And, um, and we spoke and we connected. And I thought, you know, I always look at everything um, as volunteering, really. And this is um, like it to the level of what you can, right? And so this is what we can all do, and this is what you do, and so here we are. Yeah, I mean, no, it worked out perfectly. Because, I mean, I think to, as two young women who really care about not only talking about political and cultural issues, but most importantly, reaching across the aisle, it's the entire ethos of the podcast, you're someone who truly has been an idol to, I think, a lot of women in my generation who have seen sort of the system and people be quiet and people be complicit. And when there's someone who is willing to disrupt the order and sacrifice everything, and on top of that, build this empire, this army, as you call it, uh, that is something that is truly inspirational. And uh, yeah, so I guess we're just really happy and excited and truth be told, nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I I was just um, editing some of the upcoming issues or in the edit room for Citizen Rose, uh, the documentary I did, and the, there's four more episodes upcoming. And, you know, I said in there, and I think this is holds true for a lot of um, women, young women, older women, humans, you know, I, I say in there, like, that my strength comes from being soft, not from being hard, actually. And I think... Um, there's like a seismic shift that's been happening, but it's happened for a while. And, and I, and I had to, I waited until, um, I don't say I waited until Trump happened, but I waited, I knew culturally it wasn't the right time yet. I knew, yeah. you know, people are like, why didn't you speak out? I'm like, would you have listened? No, you wouldn't have. So shut up. Um, it's like, I know instinctively my job has been to deal with the public and the public at large for so very long that studying audience psychology is just kind of part of what I do, and that includes in the political realm very much. I yes. was, I was uh, there was a man named um, Dukakis that ran against 
I think the first Bush and um, mm-hmm. Bush Senior, and I stole a cigarette from when I first came to America. I was passing out cigarettes that said "Vote Dukakis" <laughs> in a little cellophane bag. I was going around. I, I remember going around to midnight passing out "Vote Dukakis" cigarettes. Wow! Right? How I times know. have changed. How times have changed. <laughs> now it's vape. Now it's, it's like what? it'd be like handing out Dukakis vapes or jewels. That's what I mean. Hillary jewels. Hillary jewels. <laughs> Yeah. That's quite funny. Well, let's foray into yes. our first topic here. Um, Tina and I have read your book, and I guess one of the themes that came out of this and kind of something that you said was, like, does Hollywood really think we're this stupid in that being able to let this sexist culture go on for so long and think that it wouldn't come to smack them in the face? Yes, Hollywood really is that stupid. And Hollywood continues to be that stupid. Um, not everybody, well, most of them. And, <laughs> and the ones that are not that everybody are not loud enough, not by a yeah. long shot. And the thing is, you know, and I say this in Brave, you know, there's a, a, a piece where I just call it out. I'm like, it's a white male mafia in Hollywood. And, and I, I say, yeah, there, I said it. But the reality is the sky was blue in Los Angeles yesterday, okay? I didn't make it so. People freak out when you say what something is. And I've, I've really noticed um, in a lot of interviews lately, people, and people even on the street will say, so you feel this way. And I'm like, I didn't say I felt that way. I said it was that way. I never yeah. said I felt anything about it. And I realized that feeling is a big part of the cultural gaslighting. Um, and, and Hollywood, you know, people need to understand in the 40s, the, every studio head served in the military as a minister of propaganda. I mean, that was their rank in yep. their ser- of their service. And they do so at the behest, a lot of the times, of the government. Um, I know somebody who has 96 shows on air right now and also does all the, the stuff for the CIA. But also, it's just like it was um, a sociopath's playground. And I wanted to see if I could stop it. Yeah, and I think it's just weird that art has become such a top-down operation. And it's been so... I mean, I would call it capitalism, but it's not capitalism. It's a cartel. It's you have... It's a cartel. And, and, and well, I, I think it's a cult, really. It's, <laughs> which cartels can be cults, too. I mean, yes. they, they really fall under the same thing. Anytime you have a power structure where it's benefiting someone at the very top and those, those people are not you, guess what? If you're doing acting, behaving, being complicit in a way that supports them, you're in a cult. Yeah. And especially, I think there is so much overlap between you have Fox Media and then you have Fox News. You have, N- M- you have NBC News, NBC Universal. And that definitely played into the when, Sinclair thing that's going yes, on. Yes. Right and there is the Sinclair thing. But I, I mean, and just how difficult it was to get this story to be told. Oh, yeah. And the fact that people knew that the monster had been preying on people for decades. Everybody. And how many, how, many, how many lives could have been changed if journalists back in the 80s or back in the 90s were willing to go forward and tell this very I mean, tale. yeah, there are women that are a lot older than me that have been attacked by them. So far, I think our list is over... I mean, you got to aggregate it. So you figure if it's around, we're around 150 on the list right now, and then you think of all the people that have never said anything, you know... That's the thing. Like, these are super predators. And a lot of people are like, well, it happens in every industry. I'm like, yes, but what industry has these people making products that go into your mind, okay? Like, I talk about a director that I was with. He directed movies like Spy Kids. So he's got shit going into your kids' brains. Yeah. And I know the people behind the scenes. So sometimes people freak out on me, and it's as if, you know, I'm saying, 
I'm not from fucking Oklahoma, okay? I know these people. I wish very often I did not know these people. And I just saw what they were doing because I know I'm an audience member too, and I count. And if they're doing it to me, they're doing it to you. And, and, And I thought about where I was in The Wizard of Oz, and I thought about where I would be in that landscape when I started kind of being like, all right, it's time. And I figured I was the curtain. I was the curtain. I was the curtain that saw both sides, that played both sides, that absorbed both sides of abuse, and was also the person in the audience that stared at the curtain. So it's like a lot of audience psychology, which is human psychology, right? And we study them. We study you all. And we study you hard. And we know how to be best sold to you. And we know how to get into your brain. So my book is really, it's written from the perspective of like a cigarette. What if a cigarette could tell you about the chemicals? And so I did. I yeah. think, I think um, as, like, obviously as a result of you coming forward, it led to this domino effect of many more prominent people in Hollywood being taken down as a result and, and more women having the courage to come forward. Yet when you look at Washington rather than Hollywood, there hasn't really been that same domino effect. What do you think the key differences are there and, and why have, because we know this goes on everywhere. And, and yeah in any institution where there's rampant sexism and, and these power dynamics. It's but this tight hierarchy that is so hard to climb. But how come, I, other I, than Al Franken, there really hasn't been too much happening? I there? think it's because they're, they're actually kind of even older in Washington, okay. right? And Washington is the only place that's supposed to have direct oversight of Hollywood, and yet has absolutely none. Uh, they've never understood it, so they just leave it alone. They're very similar. Uh, in D.C., they call it Hollywood for ugly people. I I didn't make that up. (laughs) They say that, not me. Um, And what that means is essentially it's like dudes and the women that support the dudes that are obsessed with power, that are obsessed with the wrong thing for what they're supposed to be obsessed with considering their job and what they're supposed to be doing, right? It's the exact wrong kind of personality mix. So we have here in Hollywood a lot of people that went to school to be hedge funders or finance bros wasn't sexy enough, so they wanted to come, quote-unquote, bang actresses. So they come out here. But what's the difference between that kind of... And, like, people that are into power, men that are into power, and the women that are into power, but in a kind of a way that's mostly supporting men be in power. Um, It's a very close society. I mean, these dudes go back to what skull and bones society and all these other things. And, and I can guarantee you probably almost every single person in DC that is in power there that has been elected has been in some kind of fraternity, right? So it starts like very a long time ago. It doesn't start just by all of a sudden you have this job. So we're going to be closed down about closed lips. No, where does it start? It starts with your bro problem. Yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely this, it's hard to break into And, I mean, if you look at even just the distribution of people who make it onto the Supreme Court, people who become president, I think... I mean, Clarence Thomas, he's a winner. What? (laughs) I mean, it's... Who's the last president that didn't go to an Ivy League? I think it was Reagan was our last president who didn't go to an Ivy League university. And and say what you will about, about the value of a good education, but I would say... I mean, I I don't know about it. I don't know about it until you treat the value of a good education. I, I mean, I believe in the value of personal education. Um, Do I believe in societal value of education? Not entirely. Um, I think they would be, 
I read a quote from Malcolm X when I was 11, and it said, why would you let your enemies teach your children? And I was like, fucking hell, I'm not letting these people educate me. Yeah. And so I said about educating myself, and I think why I have such a desperate kind of thought flow from so many um, where I have lived for so long and and in D.C., I can only take me into account on this, um, is because I've been raised completely differently and because I refuse to let them in my mind, and I thought against it I fought against them being in my brain yeah but you have to also fight against Hollywood being in your brain you have to start seeing what they're putting up on the screen and what they're doing is how many movies about um you know politics have we seen and they're lionizing them and how many movies about Hollywood have we seen with people from Hollywood making these things and it's like a circle jerk right yeah you're so great no you're so great and it's all dudes lionizing other dudes and and putting them on a pedestal you know I um Sometimes I'll be in a situation in it with political people or somewhere, and I'm like, oh, my God, they're acting. And, and I know acting very, very well, and I know when people are doing it, and I know when people are performing. So it's not organic, and it's not the vow, if there is a vow, that they took when they started. Yeah. No, and I, I think I was really thinking about that, like, watching the Oscars and everyone in there. I didn't watch it. I mean, I, 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 I cut in for clips of it, but for the most part, I just, I was like, I, I don't want to see everyone's lies. But it's just, yes. always, it's just so weird to see, like, but don't you feel like the majority, of, like, every year they're like, oh, the Oscars, the ratings are dropping. Why is that? Yeah. And I'm like, because <laughs> everyone knows you're fake. And no one watches your films anymore. No I mean, one watches you... your films no. and no one watches your stupid shows and your, and your, um, the things go on for like four to five months. It's like a yeah. Super Bowl that's not ending and they don't really achieve a lot here, but they really reward themselves a lot. And in fact, yeah. Harvey Weinstein had an awful lot to do with how that uh, switched because the Golden Globes were like this little thing until he championed them put him in front of the Oscars and made it into this long thing. And campaign. So, campaign. Yeah. And it, it, that and superhero movies overall, minus Black Panther, have um, yeah. just like kind of killed it. But by rights, it should die. Yeah. Um, I know there's been criticisms of kind of the Time's Up movement and, you know, going to the Golden Globes wearing I'll a black it. dress and, and these kind of mass silent protests. Do you think there's value in them or do you think... No the only value is really standing on your platform if you have one and, and shouting from the rooftops. I think stand on your goddamn platform and shout from the rooftops. I don't think any political action and and societal renewal and reversal, of course, has ever happened because someone chose to wear a goddamn dress. Yeah. Okay, and the thing is, I know people that were in those black dress meetings. I, I, I can't with, like, it, it's like... Maybe your heart's in the right place, but I don't give a fuck. Get your mind in the right place. Get your spirit in the right place because it's all fear-based and it's all a lot of shit. And I know the people behind it. I know it's four CAA heads and I came out publicly accusing CAA along with ICM, UTA, Gersh being fucking human traffickers. If you guys are basically saying how long a right breast can be seen for negotiating it and making money off it, congratulations, you are a human trafficker. Also... When you send women to these hotel rooms for meetings, which is very normal, by the way, and people imagine these hotel rooms like you're opening the door and there's a bed. It's like these are presidential suites, so they have like four offices. These are like entire top floors of massive buildings, right? And um, 
and how it's always done. People fly in and they hold, that's just how it's always been done, which is why people have always done it. And when women would go, young women would say, like, I was just raped by Harvey Weinstein, and then their career would get buried, and that would be it. So now they need to do something called good spin and good press. So that yeah. that's how the Time's Up movement really began. Yeah. No, and I mean, I remember it was the day after the first uh, Megan Toohey and Jodi Cantor report came out, and Harvey, in his in his letter, in his open fake letter, talked about donating a grant to our university, USC. And then that's when That'll I think do it. I think that's <laughs> when I sort of intersected with this as a cause because I saw that and I was like, hold up. I could actually see the corrupt people it. in charge of our school accepting it. So that's when I started Good. the petition. Really, to get I was them. really, I think I retweeted you or something. I think, I, I think so. It was a little crazy. Yeah. Time. Um, I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because no, thank that. you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I, we don't want his blood money. And it's, 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 you know, it's walking on the backs of women. Yeah. And walking on their faces and their bodies. And, they, I mean, if you guys think it's bad now, imagine 20 years ago in a very close society with no uh, social media and no, who are you going to tell things to? Yeah. Like there's, there was no recourse. There's no way to get the public on your side. Like when I, about two years ago, when I, um, went after Fox Studios in an open letter about having this campaign that featured Jennifer Lawrence, who never said anything about it, um, being strangled by this stone-faced man on behalf of um, this X-Men advertisement. The scene wasn't even in the movie. And I knew that there were a lot of women complaining to Fox Studios about the fact that it showed, uh, it just it was like a, and it, it was this stone-faced man strangling Jennifer Lawrence, and it said, only the strong survive. Now, not only is that scene not in the movie, I was, you know, someone whose nine-year-old daughter was saying, you know, Dad, why is that man committing violence yeah. against women? And my thought was like, well, if a nine-year-old can see it, why can't Hollywood? Yeah. They're right in lies, you know, they're in lies the problem. So when I went after them, they were like, oh, and they do about face, and they say they take, and they take it down, and yada, yada. But I'm like, so what? All those women that complained before me didn't count. Yeah. I mean, like, we're so sensitive and snowflakey when it comes to anyone bringing up are you normalizing violence and but, the reality but, is you fucking are so own it <laughs> yeah I mean it, it is so I mean it's for lack of a better term you it's snowflakey but just it's, to be so no but you but mean I guess you, that yeah. no 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 for for people who say but but why would you question it it's just fiction no yeah you know? I'm yeah. like no because it's an image and you the image it. gets yeah. burned into people's heads and your brain takes in things differently yeah then what you even know when you're driving down a street and you just out of the peripheral of your vision see like something like this, and that's completely normal. I don't care if she's painted blue, you fucking idiots. There's something wrong there. And they, they and this is just one example of so many. There was a movie called Nice Guys or something a couple years ago. And in the beginning of it, uh, and this was Ryan Gosling and um, Russell Crowe. And in the beginning, there's a little boy and he's reading like a Playboy or something. And uh, all of a sudden that car crashes through the woods outside of his house and the very center fold naked that he's looking at crashes through lands naked spread eagle on the top of the car and they proceed to make jokes about this dead whore through the whole movie that's hollywood and nobody raises a fucking flag not ryan gosling not fucking anybody you know it's I think about this stuff a lot. I think about, I thought about it when I directed my movie Dawn and there's a scene where the two young women um, change dresses and they have slips under them. And very many men remember that scene as them being in their underwear. They were never in their underwear. And I remember being at Sundance uh, where the movie was and the whole audience leaning forward imperceptibly kind of at that moment 
and waiting. They were, they, they were primed to see them nude. They were waiting for that moment. And I was like, there is no moment. So They're just changing dresses. How do we change that? You make movies where you change dresses and you don't hold on their legs and you don't have them in a bra and panty for no reason. Um, I mean, you could if that's, you know, this was set in 1961, so they had slips on. But, like, normally there, there was a light behind uh, one of the girl's legs and it was, it could I could have, and what would have normally happened if a male had been shooting it is that they would have held on the light passing through the legs. They would have held loosely on the crotch. That's how it would have gone. And I was like, no, these are just two humans changing dresses in a forest. That's just part of the scene. So I'm not going to hold on it, but most people remember it as like that's the scene where they're in their underwear because their brain is literally so programmed by what they've consistently seen since birth on screen, many different forms, that that's how they remember it. And it's, it's very telling. Mm-hmm. They also remember there being violence on screen. There was never violence on screen. It's all psychological. Um, there's just a, a, a sound. Uh, it's, it's so audience psychology is something really that um, is played with a lot and, and utilized a lot. And, and like I say in my book, I mean, you know, we've all heard it. They call, they call everything but New York and L.A. the flyover states. How fucking classist is that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, even like the whole like discussion over Roseanne, I know that it's wildly controversial because some people in the right are saying, but she's not like a real Trump supporter. It's all like a liberal person's impression of one. And people on the left are saying Roseanne Barr in real life has, has said all of these problematic things over the last few decades. But really the whole conversation, the idea that still some team from Los Angeles is designing what it's like to be a white working class member in flyover country, for lack of a better term, isn't that telling about how, how top down Hollywood is? Yes. Rather than just recruiting someone who actually has that story to tell. I mean, but Roseanne did have that story to tell large. I mean, and you don't lose your yeah. memory. She, I think where she grew up and how she, she was on food stamps, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And so she, you know, and, and people also forget, but I would say the, probably the, that doesn't include necessarily the creators of it and the sellers yeah. of it. So the people, and she's, you know, one of the creators too, but it, I would say the people probably besides her and the cast making the most money off of it most likely didn't have that life. But at the same time, you're, they made such an art form of throwing slop at people. You know, and the art of that, and I use that in, in quotes, um, they've done so many studies on how to effectively fuck with people's heads and keep them systemically stupid and down. You know, it's not unlike, like, who do you think came in for the assist when women needed to go back in the kitchen after World War II? Hollywood. Yeah. This is, it's, it's not an accident what they do. Yeah. Do you think it's enough to be cognizant of how Hollywood is acting and how they portray these images to people? Because I think there's been I think there's cognizance, cognizance, but there's also let it die. Yeah. Just let it burn. Let it, 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 it did it to itself. It, it, it really does. You know, it, it's going to bring itself down and, and largely it, it needs to. And it's sad because I'm a great believer in cinema. Um, I love classic cinema, classic film. Um, it's heartbreaking what they've done. But this was always, you know, the dumber and dumber the people are above. I mean, I know things... It wasn't, it's like my friend in, who's running a writer's room is the most anti-gay, anti-woman, looking at the woman who's the star of their show, complaining that she's too dark-complected for the kind of Hispanic they wanted. Um, 
the shit's real. Like saying is her ass in a writing in a rape scene for no fucking reason, literally none, other than to do a, a nice pan across her underwear. I mean, it, it's literally it's constant and it's it's relentless. And so the thing is, is that people need to be hard and relentless against it because it, it does seep through. You know, it's. As fucked up as porn is to women, this is just a softer, great version. Yeah. yeah. So, so what's the hope for Hollywood moving forward? I don't know. I don't have one. Yeah. What about art in general? What art in general, I think, needs to be taken out of museums and galleries. And and um, I, I just think you know, it's like, it's like a, everybody knows those bad guys and those bad women. So sweep them the fuck out. Then you might have a chance. Yeah. Then you might have a chance. Yeah. But everybody's worked with. Oh, it'd be so great if there wasn't that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that guy can be a girl, too. But if most likely it's that guy. So get rid of that guy. It's like, it's not that complicated, whether it be in tech, whether it be in politics. You know, these guys are hiding pedophilia. They're hiding rape. They're hiding toxicity, nastiness, abuse. And it just goes into your mind for fourteen ninety-nine. Well, what do you think about the women who are aware of these men, like the assistants of producers and directors? Who well, are I think aware of these not men? much. So their complicity, are they just as culpable as the other people? So. They're more culpable. Yeah. When you are supposedly in your right mind, supposedly, what's your excuse? And the complicity machine was, is so vast. The network, the, the, the conspiracy so vast. Because it, it, it does at one point cross into not just complicity, it crosses into conspiracy. Yeah. And it, it's, it's really mind-boggling. I mean, I know what happened to me in the last, over the course of the last two years and the course of the last 20 years coming up you know, against this person. And I set about doing it 20 years ago. It took that long. It took that long to strategically, you know, I chose charm because strategically it had a foothold in all these territories, newsworthy territories all over the world. So when it came time to strike and deliver a blow, I would be newsworthy in all these territories. It's like chess. Not fun chess, but it's chess. Yeah. I mean, I think people always try and talk about like this current White House and call it 3D chess, 4D underwater backyard. <coughs> this is chess. This is a much bigger war. This well, Putin much- right now is check- checkmated some motherfuckers hard. Like, Bend over, there's no lubrication. I am your leader. Uh, let's just, I mean, everyone's like, Donald Trump this and Donald Trump that. I'm like, it's Putin, it's Putin, it's Putin. I mean, Donald Trump. And it's also, you know, it's a steady, steady stream of complete brainwashing from the right. Um, and, you know, people like Paul Ryan, I'm like, where's your humanity, your spine, you little fucking mayonnaise twerp? Like, I don't get it. Like, I, like how? You're going to be an empty suit in a coffin. What is your point on Earth? I mean, there, just, there has to be a louder, I think, reaction than, we do not agree with the president's tweet. Because no, there I has mean, to be some, like, no, consequences. Like, there's no consequences. That, you know, the thing is, even if Mueller indicts him, he's, they're not going to impeach him because they're getting everything they want behind the scenes. But the sad part is it's short-term, and it's egregious to... I mean, we all know it's hurting. Who does it hurt the most? His supporters, and then pe- yeah. and people of color more than that for sure. This it's also like how do you ever expect race relations to be? I mean, like what the fuck? But in a way, you know, in some ways, it's done favors. And I think where this administration has done a favor for you know a good thing for society, as uncomfortable and unpleasant as it is, is showing the good guys on the left. 
yeah. what sexism is, yeah. what racism is, what all these things are, because they're literally so obvious. It's actually the good guys on the left and the good women that couldn't, that wouldn't see it. Well, yeah. I think like a, a great part about the timing of how this all came together with all these women coming forward and yourself included is that you saw with Trump's rhetoric, I mean, the grabbing by the pussy tape that came out. It's in a way he was almost normalizing sexual assault. He wasn't normalizing it. He was okay with it because everyone around him was okay with it. And especially I mean, the voters, in a way, it's almost he was able to I mean, get in. Is 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 it not though that he is just the perfect distillation of everything that's been polluting our culture for he decades? Is, completely. I mean, we still yeah. had Bill Clinton, who was credibly accused of sexual assault, Bill but, but he is, was just better versed. He was better versed, and people on the left wanted to believe him, and they still yeah. do. And they still will. I wanted to see, you know, my thing by being the architect of those articles, um, setting them in motion a little over a year ago. Um, I set the New York Times one in motion, and I got NBC in a war with New York Times for the story. And then, uh, you know, it's always like, I let NBC take a lot of heat for folding, but in reality, I served them with a cease and desist. It was me. But it wasn't, they're gross. The top brass, they're disgusting. Matt Lauer had a lock under his desk. The Good women God. that walked in would hear this, and they would say they would have nightmares about it. You tell me the stuff the top doesn't know, please. There's a girl that tweeted me. She's like, I work at a coffee shop in Australia, and I heard about Harvey Weinstein. I'm like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> like, everybody fucking does know. And, and to have your sexual assault be known that widely before, yeah. you know, people supposedly know. I wrote an open letter to Hollywood in 2016. I just read yeah. it. Um, uh, letters live in London actually and I had forgotten that I'd written it and um, it was in October of 2016 exactly a year before the New York Times story broke and I said you know exactly who and whom and what I am speaking about and it just sort of like it all just but it didn't matter as long as you don't say his name we can still be like ah. and so for that reason they really do deserve to burn well so moving <laughs> forward then is it a social, social re-engineering, a political re-engineering of yes. both, and, and how is that done? What have you seen through well, activism? What I'm doing is social re-engineering. Yeah. This, is, this has been, 20 years ago, I was like, if I'm going to be in this stupid, fucking, idiotic, goddamn stupid industry, <laughs> um, okay, let's make this a social re-engineering project. So with my films, I played a lot of characters that could have just as easily been disposable. You could have just as easily not remembered them. Hmm. Um, but I refused to let that happen. I wanted to see if I could take a core group of people and get them to attach and learn empathy and feelings and emotion for a character that would normally be the hot chick in the movie. Yeah. And so I did. Then the next level, I came back and I was like, oh, y'all are still, like, there's so much stupidity. I can't take it anymore. So, okay, let's see if I can make people smarter. And so I set about doing that very clearly about four years ago. Um, and I set about doing it by using the media that had been used against me. And, and still is, because very most of the media outlets were paid off by him to drag me for 20 years. Um, he would buy their contracts, writers' contracts, from people at the New York Times to, you know, people at Fox, to people wherever the fuck, and internationally, to slander a list that he would give. And so it affected how the world treated me, how, still, how the world sees me, but not like in, in so what I decided to do is there's a, um, a philosopher named Marshall McLuhan from the 60s and um, you know the medium is the message and I thought about that and I was like I'm going to hijack your medium so I can deliver my message I'll just hijack your airwaves thanks Yeah, well, beating then, them at their own game yeah so my activism is not ankle biting I, uh, I go from the top down 
I don't believe in um, biting at ankles. I believe in cutting off heads. So then how do you, how are women empowered beyond Hollywood to seek justice? How does this transcend to people that maybe don't have the rooftop to show it on and everyone that can I mean, I, I don't know because I worked really fucking hard for that rooftop, believe me. I had yeah. every goddamn thing stuck in my way. There's absolutely no reason I should be sitting here right now. None. With everything that was done to me behind the scenes. Um, but I fought really hard to have a voice. And I fought really hard to have a voice because what I, I do is collectively, I like had this unfortunate or fortunate ability to feel and hear people's pain uh, globally. Um, all I can do is inspire women and, and men and everybody to be braver than they have to be, yeah. to be better than they have to be, to really, you know, we get so used to being, like, in my book, I say, we're phoenixes that ash so many times. There's a point where you're like, I'm really tired of turning to ash. Let's just do this once and for all. Let's just grow big, right? Let's get brave. When I was lobbying, um, I was volunteering with the National Endowment for the Arts, and I was like, this is dumb. Um okay, I wonder if I can be a lobbyist for critical thinking. I wonder if I can be a lobbyist for bravery. So I decided to do that. How it translates to other women in other jobs, I think bravery and power in numbers. Yep. Um, and I think I also noticed something when I shaved my head, uh, like about three and a half years ago, the side effect I noticed was that people could hear words coming out of my mouth. And I was like, what? That was weird. Because I was so used to nobody listening to a thing coming out of my mouth so I kind of also thought about that and I was like I wonder if I can make it so women can be heard and believed without them having to shave their heads I wonder if I can get people to see them as human so it's like a multi-pronged approach um I started like three years ago filming for Citizen Rose my documentary and writing Brave three years ago and um my album started producing it three years ago that's the other part of my book and it's this part of this giant project of bringing art out of museums and galleries and infiltrating the world with it without saying art, without saying, you know, even like hypnosis, meditation, whatever, all the forms that it kind of takes, you know, because I have a very specific writing style. Um, and I think, I, I just think it takes bravery. I know it takes bravery, but I think there's power in numbers. And if women realize that they are being complicit and they're helping maintain the status quo, they are doing their sisters wrong. Yeah, and it's, and the difficulty that it does require sort of people who have this platform to be the first ones to do it. And I think that one of the, one of the things that I know that you've been discussing in interviews, and I think everyone's been sort of trying to figure out, and is related to, I think, the terribly misguided people who have this backlash to this Me Too. They say, why don't women report? And I'm there's like, so why many. Why don't you shut up? Because people like you, stupid. Yeah. And why don't you like, see you how answer the, But you just yes. answer the question yeah. Yeah. by being that narrow-minded and that myopic and 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 without nuance and yeah. without understanding the vagaries of trauma. You know, yeah. we don't understand trauma. Trauma is real, and when you have trauma, it doesn't. You know, you can't apply. It's like when someone's like, "God, they were so selfish committing suicide." No, stupid. That person thinks they're doing the world a favor. It's actually the opposite thought. And people, like, I just get so bored of common minds. I really can't tell you. It, it, it pains me on a lot of levels to have to... The aggregate, you're like, if one person is saying that, many are saying that, I'm like, God, it must be so boring to be in your mind. I can't even imagine. 
I mean, I just wish that we could take half of those people who do discuss why don't women report and show them, okay, this is what the reporting process looks like. Well, I did say why women don't report. I hashtag that. That's one of the three. When I did that, I knew it was like a clarion call, like my milkshake brings all the media to the yard kind of thing, (laughs) right? But I had been pushing at it for like four years. And so when I did the why women don't report, I was like, you know, yeah, when you're when your director sells your movie to your rapist to distribute. This is why women don't report. Where are you going to go? Yeah. When the mindset all around you is, is that that is normal and that is okay, when everything is normalized, uh, who, who are you telling? Well, why women don't report? Yeah. Why don't you listen? And I also think from the judicial perspective, too, the odds are stacked against oh, completely. women as well. Yeah. So. Well, first I wonder, of all, we don't make laws defining our bodies, men do. Yes. Men get to name our bodies. They name what language we use for their bodies. They're the ones that are making the laws about how long uh, my vaginal penetration can be um, legally uh, considered to be considered kind of penalized yeah. for. Um, like these are the fuckers, the guys in power, and we're talking about them. Usually, who have some power complexes are the ones making these decisions about my body, your body, other people's. Fuck you. Yep. That's the, I mean, people need to look at the etymology of the problem. The problem is the fact that these are not deep thinkers, and these are the dudes making the laws about us. And there's a fundamental problem with that. Yeah, and do you think that... Do Why you th- do you think they only get, like, you know, a year for rape, and, like, <laughs> meanwhile, like, if... For drug like charges. a weapon yeah. charge or yeah. a drug charge. I mean, it's, like, out of control. Yeah, no, I mean, it's especially... Since we go to USC, I mean, all the times you see there are rapes going on our campus all the time, and none of those guys will ever see the inside of a jail cell. Yep. Yet, yet they're posh. Yet, like the young local person of color who's busted for do having. You think, do you weed, think if Harvey Weinstein, yeah. well, first of all, if he's black, he wouldn't be there. Um, do you think if over a hundred and something women publicly accused a certain uh, a black man or a person of color? of rape do you think they'd be in jail I mean how many, how many still, does it fucking take yeah, I mean, it literally He's takes someone being a giant it's probably, probably it has, he has to be that he has to be that big because I think if yeah. two women came forward and said that 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 African American man on the corner stole my purse yeah do you think he'd go to jail absolutely right absolutely that's that's a huge problem and yeah. I, I like for me like I fundamentally can't stand universal lies I, I've had a thing about it my entire life. I can't stand the lie of the system. I see the system. I'm not in the system. I did drag in the system, but that was like if I worked at a bank and they said you have to wear sensible heels. Same difference, except for it was just a lot more physically and mentally taxing to be sold to people. Um, I have a very unique perspective on it. I, when you're sold as a sex symbol and people react to you that way, culturally... And you know what these guys behind the scenes are doing to measure your value and the weight of anonymous semen. If they're doing that to me, what are they doing that to you? Because what happens behind the scenes happens on the screen, happens to you in the world. So those guys, those bros that see their, you know, their self, themselves on the screen so often, if they're sold this idea that they own women, what are they going to do to them when they get free and on campus? Come on. It's, yeah. all, t- it's all interlinked. 
Well, so too, a main problem with campus assault is most often with Title IX, it's campus tribunals that are trying to administer justice. And well, that's not is that really like possible? No, not no. at all. So because you reach the administrators who are willing to take the monster's money. You know, they're going to adequately adjudicate a rape. Well, not just that. I mean, that's not unlike police investigating themselves. Yeah. So it's like anybody, like Hollywood, like Hollywood doesn't even do that. <laughs> it doesn't even like have a committee, a fake committee. It doesn't even bother. Um, like at least, you know, in, in uh, D.C., Hollywood for ugly people, they have their fake <laughs> committees. <laughs> but this is like a title. It, it's, a, it's atrocious and a disgrace. And obviously Betsy DeVos is not going to help uh, this situation, which is fucking heartbreaking. Um, because every, these people have like the blood of tears on their hands and it hijacks lives. And if there are so many me too's and that means part of you's died and you're walking around with that dead body inside of you, that you have to figure out how to get out because you're like, I'm not that person anymore. I want to be that person really bad. And I think that's why a lot of people, if they can survive the after part, and not like annihilate themselves with drugs or alcohol or you know other behaviors that hurt them you have to figure out how to get that dead body out of you i think it's just so hard to but so we're fundamentally going around and then they what they have to go back to school and can't and learn and then see that fucker there and like it's relentless just not unlike how i had to see his pig face all over the place for 20 years like there was there's no time to get a scab and that's the reality for, for so many women. So many. And so it comes I down... I hope they don't have to see their face on TV all the time or in, in magazines, newspapers, on what, like Relentless. Well, I think also that's why this has been such a watershed moment. And even when you look at like the Aziz and Zari story and everything like that, it's because every woman that's come forward, it's provided a very chilling tale of something that I think all of us can relate to to some degree, which is awful to be able to say... But again, I just hope, and I think the the hope that I have is that as women, we use this to, to move going, forward and champion and take down the power structures that have been so intertwined into absolutely every aspect of society. Well, since the beginning of time and, and really the Bible and Islam, I mean, go back to the etymology, go back to the source, anything that says we are less powerful and somebody has dominion over us, guess who wrote those words? Not us. Yeah. So, I mean, you fundamentally have to challenge the power structure. There was some Illuminati weirdo breakdown of a video I did, and it was like, Rose McGowan was sent to destroy Christianity. And I'm like, hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care what you worship, but I do care about your power structure and your lies. And I was like, I'll put it on my list. (laughs) (laughs) So do you think that there is any hope for for legal or political change when it comes to I think justice? I, or does yes. it start from the bottom? From no, it does not start from the bottom. It starts from the top. It starts from both. It starts from both the bottom lobbying the top, but not the usual suspects, not the men. Go to the women and fucking, and, and take them down for their, for their um, complicity, if they're complicit. If they are protecting a man, they have to start, people have to start realizing it's a cult-like structure. I would know I was raised in one. I know what they do. I know how they do it. And that's largely to benefit somebody else. So again, if you're doing something in your life that is benefiting a structure that doesn't benefit you or people like you, what the fuck are you doing? Wake up. And it's hard to wake up and it hurts and people don't like it. You know, men really have this 
giant lazy boy under their ass and it's invisible and it's comfortable to them. But I would, I would put forth that, that short-term comfort, like long-term, long-term is not a good thing for your soul. Long-term, not choosing to be human. Not, I mean, I don't choose to be a woman or a man. I, I don't really entirely subscribe to any of that either. Uh, I don't like that people got to name what I was and tell me what I was, that I didn't have a hand in that. You know, I think we all get to speak for ourselves in this. It's like, no, I have a say too. You don't get to tell me who I am and what I am. And by pushing back at the bigger picture, instead going into the macro of it, sort of the micro, I think is, is really the solution. And to really just get loud, get loud. If you disagree with something Fox is saying, stand in fucking front of it and I'll get you pressed there. Go do something, you know, like do something like, be, like be brave. Be, it is scary. It is scary. It's not fun having people come after you. People won't like you. But guess what? People already don't like you for random things anyway, so you might as well give them something to not like you for. In that regards, do you think that there's value to the Women's March, or do you think the Women's March needs to take a more tailored approach to specifically what needs to happen and kind of have more of like an iron fist rather than... I believe in iron fists. Velvet gloves with iron fists. <laughs> <laughs> the velvet is to raise it afterwards, but you have to smash the structure... You know, it's like when you clean your closet, you make a giant fucking mess, and then guess what? Things get hung up again right, and it looks better, and it feels better to you. It's not that different. You know, it's really the same. But by biting at ankles and wearing black dresses, like, no, nothing, nothing is going to change that way. Um, I think the Women's March is great for solidarity, and... Um, that's a great feeling, but solidarity has to be followed with action, otherwise you're just empty. Yeah, and I know that this is something that we've debated a lot. Avery went to the Women's March and loves the Women's March. I have problems with it. And namely, my problems are that, what is the end goal? Like, what is the, what are the, what are the two or three things like, that are trying to be changed? And then, is it too exclusionary and too focused on intersectionality rather than women? And I think we both had those critiques of it, too, because... yeah. It's tough when people look at a movement and, and especially those who are in a position to actually create change by seeing these demonstrations when they don't really know what the demonstration is for. It's rather ambiguous. Right. I, um, I mean, I, I, I replaced Bernie Sanders <laughs> at their convention, and I, um, which is funny in just the abstract of things. Um, and I... You know, at least as a start, because there's been nothing. I mean, when equal pay for women was voted down like three years ago, I was like, what? That was a vote? I thought yeah. it was optional assholeism. I thought it was just option. Uh, like, I'm just choosing to be a dick and not pay you. I didn't know they were protected by law. Mm -hmm. And obviously, this is the only industrialized country without protection for women in the Constitution. And so, if I was, uh, you know... Behind the women's march, I would be fighting for fucking equal pay. I would be fighting for, like, against Title IX. I would be fighting against a lot of this shit. Yeah. I would be fighting the system more about, like, there's so much gay rights activism, which there should be, but there's a lot of women in there, too, and there's nobody at GLAAD that I noticed, like, put down the fact that equal pay for women is voted down. I'm like, don't you represent women? But it was the same with NAACP. It was the same with... Nobody said anything. And that's when I kind of woke up and got, I was like, 
pick me to your leader of women. Where is she? <laughs> who is she? And I'm like, there's fucking who, who, where? I think that's like a fundamental issue with a lot of these demonstrations. I mean, on our last episode, we were talking about March for Our Lives and how they're talking about gun reform, but what specifically? And, and I think a big critique of March for Our Lives is that they failed to really address the disproportionate amount of gun violence that is um, from police forces to African-Americans. And, and, so women. Including, and women. And women. And women. So if you're not including everyone, and women. Then, then what good are you really doing? I mean, I think they're doing a lot of good in general. Um, I think it's also like you have people have to kind of give everybody a bit of a break. Like we haven't been here before, yo. Like we haven't been here before. So chill the fuck out. Shit's happening. We're we're doing it. This is this is how it's happening. Like she's like, what does it mean to? I'm like, yo. Like it's unfolding in real time. This has never happened since the history of fucking written word. Yeah. Okay. Women have not been believed since the history of the written word. So, you know, let it unfold. It's, it's, it's happening in real time. I don't have all the answers. My thing is really, I want to get us out of the structure of man-woman and going into the micro of it and seeing humanity first. And, and if, if we can get men, by and large, to see their humanity, that they're humans before their gender, and same with women, and under those umbrellas, I mean every single variety, rainbow of the sun, then I think we'd really have something. Because I think women have to realize they're not women first. And it, I think that it does come down to respect issue. Completely. I'm like, if you don't respect me as a human, yeah. I'm going to punch you in the face. But I'll punch you with my mind. Maybe. <laughs> but it, it's really, it's a, it's a respect issue, but it's it's like... It's like, no, you don't get to do this to me. Sorry, no, you don't. Yeah. And, and it's relentless and it's boring. And I was always correcting people and educating people. And I was doing it one-on-one. I was like, this is just... I mean, I remember sharing a taxi with some guy and talking to him. And he was... I had to get out. And he's like, no, don't get out. You've just popped my brain open. And like, I really have to get out of my stop. <laughs> and the thing is, it's like, it's, it's, it's okay to pop people's brains open. And it's okay to go to the bigger picture instead of staying in the, in the, in the lower end fight. And looking at the structure that lets things like this happen and go on versus even the perpetrators who are sick and need to be just locked up. And then to get to that point, to bring men back into the fold of humanity, so to speak. When were they in the fold in the first place? Or I mean, or I guess at least to reestablish the line. When was it established? No, I'm asking you. I'm like I, when people always say that, and I'm like, when did when did this halcyon? Like, I don't know. Even the even the women's uh, convention, it said reclaiming our time. That was the slogan. I'm like, when did we claim it? Like guess, when when um, did we claim it? Then, then, How can we reestablish something that's yeah. never been established? And I guess it is a new world order. And, and, to, and to create and to create that, when we look at justice, when we look at these people who have done these horrible things. Are we, I know that a lot of narratives on the left will talk about we need to have restorative justice, rehabilitative justice, but, aren't there, but aren't there some crimes that are, that there is no coming back from? No, people, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer said he had yeah. really nice parents, okay? Exactly. So yeah. some people are just twisted in the head. It's, it's, I find Harvey Weinstein's complicity machine that allowed this empire of rape to be built and to, and to continue, they're more guilty to me. Um... Just like in it, like the heads of Michigan State with Larry Nassar. Yeah, yeah. They all knew. They all knew. They all fucking know. And the thing is, is like I don't. 
specialize in make people, making people comfortable. I don't really care for comfort. I've been uncomfortable most of my life living in this society. So why shouldn't you be? Why is it only me and others like me that get to feel uncomfortable? And the reality is most of us are uncomfortable in this society. And we have to do various numbing actions to even fucking stay like alive and to be able to deal with this crap on a daily basis. So I'm like, fuck that, just change the crap. I know I curse a lot, but I also don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think moving forward, the onerous comes upon everyone to be cognizant and call shit out as you see it. Call shit out as you see it. Call it in the minute, in the in the in the micro and the macro. When it happens, like, you know, this guy the other night, like at this place, was like, so go order me a drink, and I just look at him, excuse me. It's like, don't, like, you're bossing me. You're, like, me? <laughs> it didn't go well. Messed with the wrong person. Really he didn't even know person. you did not know who you were. Nah, he knew me. Oh, he wow. He knew me. Wow. And at the, but, so my point is, if they do it to me, they're doing it to anybody. Yeah. No, so stop, like, push back. This is my boundary. You don't get to say that or do that. What? And, and I don't, it's exhausting. And it doesn't always have to fall on us. So I believe in giving chiropractic adjustments for the mind, swift and hard. And then get the fuck out of there. Just be like, oh, you want to go get a Coke? Okay. Like, this is why you can't do this. This is what it affects. All right, let's go do something else. Yeah. And people think that to confront something, it needs to be this big hoopla. It, it, it actually doesn't. It needs to be about unwiring thoughts. I mean, my book is mostly about that. You know, it's about... There's actually... I want to read a... A DM that I got. So like a lot of, I kind of, for men and, and for women and humans and whatever, in my book I kind of laid down what, you know, what you're talking about. That was, that's where I answered it. That's how I can re-educate, I can do what I can do by telling my stories, but it's not about the stories in the book, it's actually the spine of the book and how I break the fourth wall and speak directly to the reader. Someone wrote me this yesterday, uh, a 30-ish, 30-year-old white male. Rose, if I'd read Brave when I was a kid, I might have become comfortable with my place in the world, found my voice in others like me sooner. I always knew I didn't fit in as a child, but couldn't understand why or how to articulate that. I wish somebody had been there to let me know it's okay to be an outsider and an individual, to think my own thoughts, someone to lead me down the path of following my own path. It took me so many years to reach that place and find my kin, my own family of freaks and outsiders who made me feel accepted and understood. That's what I got from Brave, among many other things. At times, as I was reading it, it felt like a book I'd want to write myself, or one I'd already written, in awe. And what that meant to me was, is exactly what I set out to do, under extreme duress, because during this time, Weinstein was having me followed, having Israeli spies, like, infiltrate my life and, and harass me on every, his attorneys from, you know, uh, just wild stuff going on in the background, but my goal was to really, more than women even, I want to wake them up to their power, but I want men to see that they don't have to be what they are. They don't have to be locked in this invisible straitjacket. You know, I think a lot of us think of the structure of man and I'm like, oh my God, if I had to be like that, I would pass out. 
because it's so narrow. So what, especially American men, the only time you're allowed to express emotion is at a football game where you scream. <laughs> tragically sad for you. I'm like, that's what you're going to do with this one life? And there are ways around it. All you literally have to do is think differently. All you have to do is see that everybody is like an outsider in this world until we can all like find a commonality and a common language. That's the only way we'll get to be insiders. Insiders aren't the people behind the velvet ropes. That's not an insider. An insider is meeting with like-minded people, right? And, and people that I challenge people. I want people to be 10% more alive, more awake, more passionate, more artistic. And I think everybody's an artist. I meet so many people, especially in Hollywood, that are like, I'm not on the creative side. And they wave their hand, I'm not, when they say it. And I'm like, but if I was a Republican, I would be the most creative Republican you ever saw. If I was, and that's art. I would be an artistic Republican. If I was, you know, an accountant, I would be very creatively saving people money. Whatever I'd be doing is creative. So fundamentally, I disagree with our labels in society, not just gender labels, but job labels, job, like, if we start looking at the structure, why is what you do where someone pays you more important than what you like to do when you go home? Why isn't that what you do? Like, none of it makes any sense to me. Yep. And I was raised, like I said, very much outside the system and then lived very much outside the system, but studied the system deeply and, and was sold to the system. So my perspective on it isn't bottom up. It's really top down. And, you know, they, they've, they've really had fun for the past 20 years painting me as crazy and erratic. And, and um, that's definitely like a she wore a short skirt for the mind kind of bullshit, right? And I'm not really about it. Uh, but they don't like people that promote freedom. They of do. mind. They really do not. And I think it's been very cathartic for, I would hope for all women to see this sort of, this Herculean arc of the system being really overturned. I wanted to see if I could break it. So I did. But you did. And hope, hopefully it's rebuilt into... into yeah, and that's on you guys and on you guys and on you listeners and on everybody in the world, you know? Like, like I grabbed a machete and cut through a fucking forest that, you know, was on fire. Yeah. And I was in Germany not long ago, and this man uh, put down the microphone he was holding during an interview, and he said a couple words in German. It's a very expressive and nuanced language. And he said, you're the one who lays on barbed wire so others can walk across your back. And I want those who walk across my back to know. I feel them on my stomach with the barbed wire twisting in. I feel them there. And I want them, when they're across my back, to feel better, be better, do better. That's my challenge to them. When you see something, say something, not just about a bag at the airport, but about protect other women, all women. Like, they're not gonna do it for us. And men, stop being men. It's so narrow. It's so narrow, and women, you know, you go to Miami and you see somebody in full hair, nails, this, that, and I know what it's like to do drag as a woman. I did it. And when I see someone like that completely on the outside who's living for outside validation, I'm like, well, the power structure's really gotten to you. You're fully in the cult, and you're fully seeing yourself from the outside in. So the thing is, it's like in my book when I talk about hair, I'm like, just make sure it's you that wants it, and not that it's to please something else. If it is you that wants it, go with God. Goddess. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> well, Rose, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. I, I know Tiana and I, as um, 
aspiring people to help break this system Keep or help uh, rather rebuild this rebuild system. Rebuild sisters I'm so happy to be able to talk with you and meet with you and, and so gracious for your time. So thank you so much. And You're welcome. And we uh, would love to follow your journey moving forward and see what you do next. So Yes. Make sure to check out Brave, the book, if you haven't already. Um, I It was a really, really moving read. I will say that. Thank you. I worked really hard on it. It was... Uh, the hardest thing I've optionally ever done. Um, writing a book is not for the faint of heart, and I hope to never do it again. But it is my gift to the world, and I worked very hard on it for that. I took a huge pay cut to do it. It wasn't about that. It was about... I'm a cheerleader. That's, the, that's the, what people don't get about me. I want them all to be better. I want us to be better, and I know we can. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome.